From runasradio.com, you are listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 718, protecting hard drives using BitLocker and MBAM with guest Julie Andrea Cola. Recorded Thursday, July 16th, 2020. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Today, my guest is Julie Andriacola, who's a senior premier field engineer with Microsoft specializing in client operating systems. And for the last 18 years, she's been working for medium to large enterprises in retail, finance, pharmaceutical, and K-12 education. Her areas of focus includes Windows 10 deployment, configuration manager, Windows security patching, application compatibility, and PowerShell scripting. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And uh, I... Every... PFE show I've ever done on uh, on Run As I I loved because you, you're out in the field you're doing real work they tend to be larger businesses so you give me a scope of problem that I truly appreciate good glad glad to help out I have a passion for our community and and um, making sure we can get the information out to to folks who maybe don't have a premier field engineer yeah well that's exactly it you you're, you're rare and precious and uh, and expensive as i recall too so <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that <laughs> yeah. um but i i'm interested in thinking in terms especially you know in this pandemic time where we've got often office machines now working remotely or certainly more laptops in action than ever before it seems to me BitLocker is only more important, that this ability to protect drives so that when hardware goes missing, we don't have as big a security exposure. Um, have you seen more demand? Is that a regular call for you these days? Yes. Uh, actually, we had a huge spike in BitLocker when people needed to move from Windows 7 to Windows 10. Interesting. And this whole uh, idea of doing an upgrade in place where you're swapping out the operating systems while the machine is running Um it doesn't play well with software-based encryption. Uh, so third-party products out there that um, are, are encrypting the hard drive, but they're software-based, not uh, not like BitLocker where it's part of the operating system. So that probably produced the most energy uh, as people were looking to get rid of that. Oh, we also did some improvements in BitLocker going into Windows 10, with some higher encryption that people were looking for. Uh, so it just made a lot of sense uh, to stop paying for a product and use the the inbox product. So that's that produced a huge bump in in BitLocker demand and uh, just kind of trying to get the roadmap of how to manage all these devices uh, that need to be encrypted. I mean, that being said, not every version of Windows 10 has BitLocker. Is it is it just enterprise or do the pros get it as well? Oh, good question. Yeah, pro has it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, home may not, but yeah. uh, I believe all the other SKUs will, would have it. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I would have to double check on even on the home. Um, the big blocker for some organizations is uh, you, it's very difficult to centrally manage. Okay, I would even go as far as saying it's impossible to centrally manage BitLocker if your machines do not have a TPM chip in them. Um, 
that uh, that's required for you to be able to use any of our management products associated with with BitLocker recovery keys. So if a user does something or a hard drive is triggered uh, and you see that lovely blue recovery screen um, that's asking for a key, uh, if you have a TPM chip, it asks for a key. And so a help desk person can look that up for them or a person can even ha- – we have solutions where they can even self-serve and right. look up their own recovery key from some working computer somewhere. Um but if it doesn't have a TPM chip, you're restricted to a password that the user sets. And if you are managing lots of users, uh, that's just not. You're in trouble. Uh, the, yeah. I, you know, I've gone into an organization and they all set the BitLocker password to the same thing. And so much for that. Yeah. The purpose. Kinda de- yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Undermine the whole so thing. <laughs> so TPM is, is a huge part of security in Windows 10 and it really needs to be in any device for um, any sort of business that is interested in securing that device. Cause it's, it's also comes into play with cloud and, and identity for that device in Azure AD and such like that. So so um, that's kind of steering off what we're talking about today. But just to emphasize, um, that's kind of one of my rules for implementing uh, and moving forward with BitLocker is to make sure your firmware is up to date uh, right. because there's been a lot of vulnerabilities uh, within um, uh, firmware. And that's also where BitLocker lives uh, and uh or the TPM chip and such. So you need to be updating your bias. It's no longer the days of don't touch that that bias or that firmware until the machine is like broken and you're trying to fix it. Right. Um, it's important nowadays to keep that up to date because it's an attack vector. Right. Um, so and well, and, and modern hardware they all come with TPM now, right? Like we're really, I think you have to get to fairly old gear before you don't find a TPM chip anymore. It, if you're buying enterprise class, I, I believe that's true. I right. mean, uh, you know, but uh, if, you know, if you're a smaller organization and maybe you're going to Best Buy and buying the $400 laptop or something like that, they may not have TPM right. chips in them. Um, and uh, so, so it just depends on kind of kind of where you're at. I have talked to you know larger organizations where they had a good chunk of their organization that did not have TPM chips. Interesting. And and so you just have to. I mean, you can. I, Address it with you know hardware upgrades and such like that, but especially with acquisitions and such like that, yeah. you may be buying someone else's problem. <laughs> yeah, well, and you just sort of realizing that. And I'd certainly I've worked with companies when we went through an acquisition, started looking through the gear. It's like ah, and your file server is Synology, okay, you know, <laughs> and and pretty quickly as you start doing the math on adding those machines to the management, it's like it's cheaper to buy new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like pretty it doesn't take very long when you start looking at the time and effort to take care and feed old hardware that's coming in like that before it's like, hey, welcome to the new company. We'll take right. that and here's your new machine and and right. you know, just keep that under yeah. control. But and I appreciate the insight. It's like you gotta be really you really don't want to go down the BitLocker path without TPM because it because at any scale at all, it's gonna be unmanageable. Yes, it becomes very, very difficult. So So uh, but fundamentally, it's just an encryption of drives, and it's not that big of a deal. It seems to not have a huge amount of performance impact these days, but either way, security is security. You need it. Right, yeah. The the uh, 256 encryption, you, you will see a little bit of a, a uh, hit on performance, mm-hmm. um, but... 
basically all the different security agents that have been added to the machine are much bigger performance impacts. So it's it's usually just uh, not even noticed. Right. Uh, but technically, there is a, a bit of a performance impact with the higher level of encryption. That's why by default, it's 128, uh, mm-hmm. because we don't see as much of the performance hit. Um, and that's uh, generally considered secure enough, but a lot of organizations want the higher. Yeah, the Who's going to crack this drive? Like, it's really, you get into this great conversation about, are we being specifically targeted? And I've certainly worked with organizations where they were specifically targeted and they are, and the people are actively trying to steal the machines. And how sophisticated are they to be able to, to crack them? Right. I mean, you always get into, it's like the, the more dangerous vector is bribing the employee to give you the password. <laughs> Yes, but you also have um, necessary, if you're in a regulated industry, yeah. uh, there's an audit uh, that has to be done and, and disk encryption or the ability to prove that a, a lost device could not be accessed um, is important to a successful audit. Right. Uh, so that is uh, a big motivator for a lot of organizations. Um, some organizations I see only do BitLocker on, you know, mobile devices such right. as laptops and, and tablets. And then, you know, workstations that don't leave the building aren't encrypted. Um, yeah. And that, and that was an interesting moment when everybody was forced to work from home. We sent a bunch of desktop machines home and you're like, Hey, <laughs> those drives aren't encrypted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the 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 quick move to work from home has yeah. uh, really Im- impacted a lot of IT. Uh, we've had more digital transformation in in a month than we did over two years. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I also think now that the move has happened, and in some cases we're starting to talk about going back, at least to some degree, mm-hmm. we're also cleaning up. And I think there is this conversation. It's one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you about this too was. That we're now saying, oh, man, like, yeah, that machine went out the door, not encrypted, but we should probably encrypt it now uh, because it's going to stay, you know, I, I, over and over again, I see the, they're going to continue to work from home and it's going to be hybrid. They're going to spend some days at home and some days in the office and they're not on a laptop. And every time you move a desktop machine, you risk breaking it. So you leave that machine at the at the home and you provide mm-hmm. them something else in the office now. Yep. Uh, yep. can you, you can encrypt BitLocker remotely. Like if I can VPN or oh. remote access that machine while it's in the home, I could apply BitLocker to it. Yeah. And Intune too. So that mm-hmm. doesn't require any sort of VPN because that's cloud-based management. Right. Um, so, so the, in, in fact, any sort of, of MDM solution can, uh, use the, the BitLocker policies, uh, the mobile, um, or the, um, modern policies to, to do the encryption and, and kick that off. There's been some caveats along the way. Um, it's, you know, there were some times where some of that required the user to be an admin, um, and, you know, the ability to roll, roll keys if it's been disclosed. Some of that functionality is, is only found in the newer versions of Windows 10. So right. we, We've continued to make that story better uh, for organizations that want to leverage this cloud management and have their users be standard users. Um, uh, so, so a lot of work has been going into that Intune story um, because it doesn't matter where the device could be anywhere in the world, uh, and you know its recovery key, and you're able to to access that information uh, regardless of of uh, network boundaries. So. What this is all in the end, encryption's fine. It's always when something goes wrong. 
So when do we need these encryption keys? Like I would think most of the time we just never, ever see them. Like what causes someone to, to open a ticket around BitLocker? The machine just gets angry? Yeah. So anything that's going to be triggering a change in the, in the bias or the, their, uh, and I don't want to go too deep into PCRs, but that's kind of anything that, that triggers a change. And, and, uh, we have a, a nice, uh, web page that kind of goes over like the common factors that will trigger BitLocker. Um, I will say one of the things that's not on that list that I do see back to my, my point about it's important to update your, um, your, uh, your bias is the uh, moving from one version of Windows 10 to the next. Um, that uh, sometimes these uh, feature updates, this moving to the next version, it fails because of the way that the bias is, is being handled. Mm. Um, so, uh, so that is just really important to make sure that that the, that's a a part of the device management ecosystem that you're working on can't be ignored. But it, yeah, it also means when you're testing updates. You're also making sure the machine you're testing on has got that BitLocker configuration. So you have a heads up for a particular set of hardware's reaction to, uh, right. to that update. Right. And, and, you know, our management, uh, like, uh, uh, configuration manager are now known as, uh, you know, modern, uh, uh, Microsoft endpoint management, mm-hmm. uh, configuration manager. We love to change the names. Yes. Um, you know that we we now can in inventory collect the version of the bias that's that it's on the state of the TPM chip, which mm-hmm. is really important. Um, with uh, I I had one customer who ran into an issue uh, where they had a, the bias had a, a a choice where you could prevent change of ownership for TPM. And when they upgraded to Windows 10, that uh, put the TPM in a, in a poor state um, because in Windows 10, it, it is required to take ownership of that TPM. In Windows 7, that wasn't the case. Uh, so it couldn't take proper control. So the, the TPM was in an unhealthy state. And, uh, and, and so that was causing a problem. And, and so we had to you know, undo that bias setting. Now, that's a pretty edge case. I don't see that very often. Um, but again, it's that really important connection between a healthy TPM, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the device as well as, uh, you know, bit, for BitLocker to work effectively. Yeah. It's interesting to me to think in terms of what a, a TPM being unhealthy. It's like, well, you're, you're happy or you're sad. One <laughs> or the other. But, okay. You're not, I'm not feeling that great, but. Can yeah. you can you detect that ahead of the patch? You just sort of go like, how? What is the state of the machine? Sure. So that's configuration manager can. Mm-hmm. That's one of the the things that it can inventory for you. So that's a, a good uh, uh, report to be looking at, uh, and and data in there. The other um, thing would be, I mean, you can go onto a machine itself, and the, you know, there's a console dedicated to TPM, just like. Uh, you know, computer management or, or drive management. So, uh, there's a management console for TPM. So right. you can kind of see the state of the, the device and, and, uh, you know, uh, repair it as needed mm-hmm. and, and such like that. So it's not usually a big problem, uh, but it's definitely something to be aware of. And, uh, uh, and, and if there is, is encryption involved to make sure that you're being careful in the way that you, you handle that. And again, we have some articles about how to do that correctly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I get that. And Julie, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Working from home could be the new normal for some or all of your company. 
Working from home could be good for end users, but it's going to be tough on you in IT. Don't panic, you've got Policy Pack, but you're going to need a few new tricks to handle the change. So, learn from Jeremy Moskowitz, 15-time Microsoft Enterprise Mobility MVP awardee and founder of Policy Pack Software. In a new webinar, you can learn practical tips and tricks for this new reality of remote work with Windows 10. You'll learn how Policy Pack keeps your Windows 10 operating system, apps, users, and browsers standardized and secure, all while removing admin rights and stopping ransomware and unknownware. Learn how Policy Pack works alongside the tech you have today, like Directive Directory and Group Policy, VPN connections, and virtual desktop. And learn how Policy Pack can enhance and accelerate any future-facing plans, such as Windows Virtual Desktop and an MDM solution such as Microsoft Endpoint Manager or VMware Workplace ONE. If handling the working-from-home tsunami is now on your plate, you owe it to yourself to learn a shortcut to make the transition to the remote work easier. Sign up for the webinar with Jeremy and get a jump start in handling the change with remote work. Sign up at policypack.com slash remote work. That's policypack.com slash remote work. Policypack, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's uh, Julie Andriacola. And we're talking a bit about BitLocker and the fun and excitement of managing this thing at scale, too. So is there... A reason to have a console to monitor BitLock across the board? Like, this seems like a case by case, occasionally you're going to have problems. Be careful with your updates kind of thing. Other than that, there, it's just folks who break machines and, and get BitLocker warnings and getting the recovery keys. Right. So if you don't have the recovery key, you cannot get into that drive. Right, that Those are done. always the, the saddest support cases. They're like, BitLocker's been triggered, but we didn't have the key escrowed uh, into a management solution, which could be escrowed into Active Directory, um, uh, our uh, uh, MBAM solution, or Configuration Manager, or Azure Azure AD. Uh, but uh, yeah, and and yeah, we we Microsoft cannot undo that 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 machine. There isn't a back door here. Nope, there isn't. So you are basically you know wipe the drive and start over again, and yeah. and that's pretty painful. I've seen some you know executive machines that they weren't recovering. They didn't have the the management in place for that recovery key, and uh, BitLocker was triggered. And yeah, not not a good not a good thing. Because so occasionally also- you can work out of it if you can figure out what triggered it. You can kind of go back to to uh, uh, you know if, if if it was a device setting or something like that. You could figure out, and, uh, but that's not and, always and the case. So yeah, it. it's pretty sad. <laughs> so like literally, maybe reverting the BIOS might get it to untrigger. Well, if you if you if it was changed by something, I have seen on occasion that if you uh, typically I see it more with docking stations, right? Uh, like um, that the way that the the BIOS is detecting that docking station, uh, it it uh, it sees it as a drive, and so when it's not, it becomes it's that changes and it's either attached or not attached to that docking station. Sometimes that can trigger BitLocker. Interesting. I don't see it as much. Uh, Nowadays, but it, it a couple of years ago there was a lot more of that. So, but it, it's also a statement about the way that this works. That it's not like once it locks it, it's just locked, and you have to jump through the hoops. It's always evaluating its state and then deciding whether to lock or not. Right. Yep. So any any detected change, 
um, that's that's what's going to trigger that that lock. Interesting. And so occasionally you'll you'll get it back. Yeah, but you never count on it, right? No. You know, that's why it's important to have, you know, a solution that you know is healthy, um, that is is getting those keys and storing them in a very secure manner, right? Because right. this is a uh, a a security. Um, you know, boundary, and you want that uh, to be, you need to treat those recovery keys as like a password. Right. Because uh, essentially it is a password to that hardware. So, Configuration Manager, obviously a place to store them. Uh, Azure Active Directory. Um, MBAM. Should we talk a little about MBAM? Like, this is the, the BitLocker administration tool. Yes. Yeah. So that's historically been part of our, what we call software assurance, which was an additional SKU that, that organizations could purchase. And when they did, they got a collection of, of programs and, and MBAM was one of them. Uh, Microsoft BitLocker administration and management. Mm-hmm. And essentially what MBAM is, is a SQL database. Uh, and that is, uh, uh, this, behind to uh, uh behind a web server and the instead of you can use G, it's typical to have gpos directing those recovery keys to active directory mm-hmm. um that's that's kind of the old school but as you if you change keys or things like that you just kind of get a big list of keys in uh active directory so you won't know immediately which one is the right one, uh, and uh, and there's no reporting. There's no nothing in and uh, uh, just escrowing it into Active Directory that says this machine is encrypted. Uh, so what MBAM solution was is to have a small agent be running on the machine that checks in with the frequency that you set to say, hey, these are the policies for BitLocker. Are you abiding by them? Mm-hmm. And if you aren't, I'm going to trigger that or send back a, a, um, a message that this machine is, is out of compliance. Hmm. And so that way you can report on that. Um, and the web servers have portals. So either a user can self-serve, put in their uh, credentials and get their device uh, recovery key back. Um, and, or uh, I see more commonly is kind of a help, the help desk portal where they're going in and, um, and doing that for the user on behalf of the user and pulling that recovery key and then telling that, that user what that is. Uh, and the, the thing that when you use those portals, once those keys are disclosed, uh, that key, the, the, uh, messages then sent back to that MBAM client to say, okay, let's, let's roll the keys. Time to, to come up with a new key. And that new key is then escrowed. So it's always, uh, uh, you know, there, there isn't a, a post it on <laughs> sitting around with the BitLocker recovery right. key, uh, that could be used over and over again. The point being the recovery key works once. Right. If you, uh, if you roll that key. Right. So when you roll a key, is that something that the user has to do at that point? I mean, they've already had a bad day. They've been locked out of their machine. I, right. I'm with you. I don't know that I want self-service for fixing this, but I, I do want it to be a normal process through tech support that they can clearly do it and mm-hmm. give them the key. Now they're back up. What do I yeah, got to do to roll? the? As soon as they're up, can I roll the key remotely and it, they're just going to have a new key? They don't need to know anything about that. 
Yep, yep. It's okay. part of when you get that key that's marked as disclosed, and it tells the uh, the MBAM client, "Hey, we need a new one," yeah. and and it takes care of it. So, uh, so it's very transparent to everybody, um, and and who got that key out of the database is also logged. Uh, so that's key when you're looking at audit reporting and such that and uh, so you, it, you can have a trail of of who's uh, been accessing these keys. Yeah, so I like that that's going through tech support and then we, we have a ticket with it and where the call was and all of those sorts of things. And it's just part of the process is you disclose the key, then you roll the key. And yeah, that's very coherent yeah. to me that, that that would be like that. <laughs> and it's simple, right? It it mm-hmm. just works. It's been working like that for years, uh, and it it's not real complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's 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 uh, enforcing the GPOs that you've put in place, yep. um, or, or checking. It's not really enforcing it, but it's checking the compliance of that. So uh, if a machine is out of compliance, say someone disabled BitLocker, mm-hmm. it would come back and 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 uh, and. Uh, that would show up in the reporting, so then it could be addressed whether the GPO is not working or the machine needs to be rebooted or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, so it's it's been trucking all, right along for years and years, and then um, we got a whole lot. I think it was about two years ago. It's always tough to keep track of time these days. Um, there was a lot of buzz about uh, that MBAM was going out of support, right? And people got really you know, worked up about that because this was a, a core product for them, right? Yeah, you needed the, those keys and there wasn't another good alternative out there. And, uh, so, uh, and, and there are third parties that do manage BitLocker keys as well. And so a lot of those folks were very much saying, Oh yeah, and bam support, it's, it's gone. But, it was mainstream support. Okay. So, so mainstream support means that we are no longer making any, any feature updates to it. We're not making any changes. We'll patch it if there, if it, if Find it a needs a security update mm-hmm. or you need help with it, you can still call in and, and get uh, Microsoft support for it. Um, but a lot of organizations didn't understand that difference. And so they were freaking out and they were coming back to Microsoft saying, uh, all right, uh, what uh, I can't use MBAM anymore which of course was incorrect. Mm-hmm. What do I use? And we did not have a good answer for that. So that bubbled up very quickly as an important issue to address. And the decision was made that configuration manager would then take over the, that, those keys and, uh, quite, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's, Fully present now in um, Configuration Manager 2002. Uh, I, I haven't found a feature yet uh, that's not that's missing from um, the equivalent of it in, in MBAM. In fact, the portals <laughs> that you use to get the keys still say MBAM on them, <laughs> um, and and they literally and, and and Config Man installs the MBAM client right. for you, so <laughs> it, they just took that product ported it over, but we had to do it with security, right? So right. the encryption is there. You need a certificate. Um, so, so that the, those keys stay in the database. Um, uh, cause you wouldn't want that key to disappear yeah. if that machine like aged out, right? Cause somebody puts it in the drawer and 
pulls it out six months later, BitLocker's triggered. You still need that key, whereas a lot of organizations will will mark that device as inactive and 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 delete that. Um, but the the key will stay, right. the recovery key, so that you're able to go back and you have the audit reports and and all of that uh, associated with it. So that was that was welcome news to a lot of folks. Um, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Because it opened it up too further, right? Because not everyone could have that MBAM license. If you didn't have software insurance, you weren't licensed for it. So there were a lot more people that were licensed for configuration manager. um, And it just made sense. It made a whole lot of sense. So the MBAM team is now part of the configuration manager team. And they're happily working on on getting all of that uh, playing together and, and, and being quite seamless. So it's the wizard to set up the BitLocker policies within configuration manager is is very well done and, and very intuitive. There is a scroll bar. Uh, so make sure you notice that because you may be missing some settings if you don't scroll down. Interesting. Um, but it it, uh, it it just works. And so customers have been delighted about that. Now, MBAM is still in support all the way into April of 2026. Nice. So there's no rush to move off of MBAM and into configuration manager. Um, but uh, uh, so we've got plenty of runway. They extended that another couple of years uh, after realizing the importance of of the product. Yeah. Um, well, and that, and that reaction from the customers helps you understand, hey, if, okay, clearly people are depending on this. Yep. If I'm just coming into putting BitLocker into the system, should I, and I'm not already using Configuration Manager, although is it now, is it now Endpoint Configuration Manager? Because you, you're sort of rolling those things together it too. Is. <laughs> yes, it, it is. Does it make more sense to go cloud approach like if you're not already committed to config man you're more of an intune person could i just do everything i need to do through azure ad uh you can right so you have the 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 policies that are there it's not i i wouldn't say the reporting is totally feature um uh it, there's not a feature match yet in Intune and reporting with MBAM. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a lot of customers who aren't ready to make that jump because for whatever reasons they are, they need a particular report. Uh, but it's on everybody's radar. Um, and also when you start to hybrid join your Windows 10 machine, as long as it's 1909 and above, it's, if it's hybrid join, meaning that it's joined to Active Directory, as, as we're all very accustomed to, yep. as well as being joined to Azure Active Directory, it will automatically escrow that key up there is, you know, and, and have that. So you actually kind of have it in, in two spots with the newer, newer operating system. If you are doing the hybrid uh, domain join, yeah. which everyone should be doing because it's it just as easy and doesn't impact the user and lets you do all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, and and, and I'm just thinking from a from a tech support point of view when you go back through that same re- key recovery process, recovering it from Azure AD versus recovering from MBAM. Just you know, the, are there comparable consoles? Like, can I can I make a workflow that looks like that? Yeah, I would say you know you have to kind of be more used to the the you know clicking in uh, through the the different blades mm-hmm. uh, in in Intune or or now what we're calling the the uh, Microsoft Endpoint Management Admin Center. Right. <laughs> we just keep changing these names. I I do love that you as a professional are struggling with these names as much as we on the outside are. Because <laughs> it's like, well, oh yeah, I've posted notes with all the 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 different things the different <laughs> things are called to yeah. keep it straight. <laughs> what's, it, what's it called now? It's called something. 
Yes. I mean, the good news is the internet remembers, right? I can continue to search for the old name and it leads me to the new name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is. It's a, it's a struggle, but it keeps us all gamefully employed. Okay. So there's yeah. that. That's what that, that's what that's about. Okay. <laughs> there's the renaming strategy of business. <laughs> exactly. You need, you need to continue to have Microsoft support to keep the name straight. <laughs> but, yeah, Cause I did feel like configuration manager is getting long in the tooth. And like, I understand you didn't want to do much with MBAM because in some respects it was just done. It did the thing it needed to do. And other than mm-hmm. keeping it healthy, there's nothing more to do. It's safer living inside of configure management, management, which is a much larger, more complex product. But even SCCM is getting old. You know, they they aren't cranking out new versions every year because it is kind of complete. Oh no, no, we got three new. We get three new versions of configuration manager a year now. Well, okay, but uh-huh. yeah, it's a different workflow. And, and, yeah, the current current branch increments three times a year, so even faster than Windows 10. Which which is why I can't keep up with what what uh, new features are in the, the latest version uh, of of Config Man. Just it, it, they're innovating so fast and really making that connection to cloud, uh, providing that option so that you can choose different things if you want to manage it with cloud or if you want to manage right. it with your on-prem configuration manager. Uh, but that that product's not going anywhere for a long, long time. No. Well, and I, I said that wrong. They've stopped using year numbers for, for SCCM yes. now because they are doing this rapid fire sort of Windows like update stream. So it's, you're just getting, and you've been referring to them all along, the version numbers for SCCM of 1910 and 2002. Like those are all, those are not years. Those are the version numbers right. of SCCM. Yep. That's, yeah. It is, it is amazing sort of the world as it looks right now, though we keep going back and forth of what we really want to be able to do. Um, but SCCM again, not going anywhere. Support the, nope. the it's not do you don't step off the SCCM pipeline either, though, because they're not doing long support dates. You don't sit on an old version. You do keep getting the new versions. Right. Yes. So you you do need to keep up, um, or you will fall out of support. Right. So and quickly, like within a year or yeah, two. Yeah. It's like eighteen months. Yeah. I something, think. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Double check me on the website, but yeah. Yeah. I will include links. Got to got to keep up with those version changes. Yeah. Uh, but it also speaks to the iteration rate of Windows that it, you kind of they, they go together. Right. Yep. And and then even in our cloud. So if you're working within Intune, you know. The portal can change. I think it changes twice a month. Yeah, <laughs> you know that the, the iterations that they can do are even faster, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't need to make a change to your your devices. The change is all handled by Microsoft, so you don't need to do anything, yeah. whether you like it or not. It's, it's changing. It's happening. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so the feedback is important. You know, use you. The, the engineering groups want to hear from customers about what's great in Intune and what's not great. Mm-hmm. They want to hear what's great in Config Man and what's not great. They want that feedback. They, they have really tried to, uh, improve their uh, listening to uh, customers. And I think we can see it in the features that are lighting up so fast now mm-hmm. in both of those products. Uh, and, and really providing the enterprise with something that is, is, much more robust and, and more secure. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, it seems more cost effective, too. It's like this becomes easier and easier to do, and it's not as much money as it used to be because it doesn't demand the same level of infrastructure it used to demand either. It's more cloud-centric. 
Yeah, yeah, you definitely have more options, and and really too, this you know this whole work from home piece. Uh, we saw more people standing up cloud management gateways yeah. <laughs> than ever, um, and and you know and everybody loves it. I haven't talked to a customer yet who's hated their cloud management gateway. Their uh, update compliance numbers go right up. They're getting current inventory information. Uh, it's just the the best of, of all worlds uh, to, to have that cloud management gateway. So that has been a huge success. You don't have to have a presence in Intune. Uh, the machine doesn't even need to be hybrid joined. It, it, it just needs to have that configuration manager client on right. it and the policy to say, hey, you got a cloud management gateway. Look to that if you're not inside the network. Nice. Um, uh, so that, that's been a huge win across the board. Um, and, and a great way to get started into, uh, being able to kind of leverage, uh, leverage Azure in, in a simple way. It's, it's. Right. And levering Azure as the management of my machines, not necessarily the direct workflows, which I think is very cool. Right. Well, with the cloud management gateway, configuration manager on prem mm-hmm. is still the, the commander, right. commander in chief. It's still handing out all the instructions. It just now has a route that's easy to go through to get to machines that are outside the network. Um, and that's that cloud management gateway. So it's just a relay station for all of these different policies and stuff. And it's a VM that lives up in Azure. Yeah. Rather, it's I'm- totally managed by by Microsoft, you don't need to do anything past the initial setup. Nice. And and I don't need to depend on the VPN to push SCCM work through to these remote exactly. machines. Now. Yeah, exactly. that's, a, that's a great insight, Julie. I really appreciate that. That's like, you want this? This is one less thing. It has to go across your VPN. And it's yep. not a small thing, too. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, Julie, I really appreciate the insight here. I think we really walk through the modern BitLocker installation and the fact that it should be available to more folks. Um, and it does definitely protect machines and can be managed effectively. As long as you've got TPM in place, that seems to be the linchpin. Yep. Yep. Current TPM. And uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And everything else we find. Uh, any other resources folks should be looking at? What's your favorite places to, to share knowledge? Uh, well, of course, the, the docs and Microsoft.com yep. really are, are very encompassing. We've, we've got some older blogs that are relevant for, for MBAM. Um, there's also a, uh, one of my coworkers has written an excellent blog series on how to implement BitLocker in the configuration manager. Cause there's some initial setup, uh, of, of getting your, your certificates in your IIS servers and such that you need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does a great job of explaining that step by step. So if, even if you're not super familiar with certificates, he walks you through all of that. So that's a great resource as, as well. And, um, and who's that? So yeah. Sorry. Who, who, who's this, this resource? Oh, Ken Wigan. Um, he's another uh, senior PFE, and he has his, his own uh, blog where he's posting stuff. It's not an official Microsoft blog, but it's good stuff. Good, good stuff. Hey, smart people are smart people, right? Like it's uh, wherever we can get some help to folks. It's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Julie Andricola, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio. <laughs>